Welcome to the John Serenitas Real Estate Podcast. I'm John Serenitas. We've got a great show for you this week. Cynthia Cabana from Milestone Realty will be joining us. Cynthia has been in the business for a long time, and we're going to cover a variety of topics. We're going to talk about how she got into the business, her thoughts on where the market is right now. Uh, we're going to talk about the company she's at, Milestone Realty. We're also going to take a look at the Rhode Island market, some things that she looks for in agents and clients, and just her overall view of where the real estate world is right now. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a great episode. As always, it's going to be an informative episode. So when we come back, Cynthia Cabana from Milestone Realty will join us. And welcome back. Joining us now is Cynthia Cabana from Milestone Realty. Cynthia, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Thank you for taking some time to join us this week. Uh, let's just yeah, jump right thanks in. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, no problem. No problem. Thank you for taking the time. Let's just jump right into it. And that's what we do here. Sure. We want to dive you right it. into it. So let's start with uh, with you. Tell us a little bit about where are you from? How did you get started in the real estate world? Uh, where am I from? So originally from East Providence, Rhode Island. Um, and I um, was attending Johnson & Wales University. Um, and in my senior year, I was just kind of figuring out what I'm going to do with my marketing degree. And, um, I just happened to walk by these brand new loft style apartments in Providence and, uh, it looked like they were looking for leasing associates. And I said, Hey, I think I can do that job. <laughs> <laughs> so certainly enough, I, I ended up um, taking that as a full-time role and, um, I think I just found a niche really where I love just connecting with people and like being a part of something so significant in people's lives. Yeah. Um, so that's where it started. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, when you talk to people that are in the business, it's amazing that 90% of the time they'll tell you that they weren't intending on necessarily getting into it, but there were certain <laughs> aspects of the business that appealed to them. And they got into it. But in the end, the biggest reason they got into it is they just love to work with people and help people. And I think that's it's so true. Right. And I think that that's so important because in many ways, it is the ultimate people business. It is the ultimate customer business. And your reputation and your ability to do business is predicated on how you deal with people and your willingness to go the extra mile to do a little bit more for your customers so that they are happy. What do you enjoy the most about your job? I know you're passionate. Well, I should say I know how <laughs> passionate you are about it. About it, I see yeah. it all the time on social media. Um, you, you're definitely passionate about being a, a real estate agent. But what do you enjoy the most about your job? Oh God, there it's it's like so multidimensional. It's hard to pick any one thing because one day I could be like solving problems that I never thought could be solved. Um, and then other days I could just be hugging a client when I hand them their keys. Easy now. Um, we can't hug them now though. You gotta, um, you, you gotta do the, you gotta do like, you, you gotta do the forearm that the old Oakland A's bash brothers, a little baseball reference here for you. You gotta do the old forearm shiver. I know. I know. I was living in the past for the moment. Sorry. No, that's okay. But we, 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 all, place, we all would love to go back. Trust me. Yeah, but in all honesty, it's just, um, I mean, I don't know if there's any one thing. It's kind of like exhilarating to kind of meet somebody for the first time. Um, I always loved just learning about people in general, like who they are and where they come from and what, like how different people live and how pe people think differently. And um, I know it sounds silly, but you just learn so much working with so many different people. So anyhow, so sometimes it's really just meeting somebody who's got a really great story. 
Um, other times it's, it's, you know, the problem solving of it. Um, and then of course, the moment you set the closing table, it kind of brings the whole cycle full circle. And it's such a sense of accomplishment. It it? is. And for everyone too. And you know, nobody forgets, nobody forgets the, the feeling they have when they close on their home. And so to be a part of that and part of their memories, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's just like a really special place. Um, to be in someone's life. It is. And, and one of the things that I love about the business, Cynthia, is that you meet so many different people. And to your point, they all have these interesting backstories and, and every client is different. Their needs are different. Where they come from is different. What they're looking for is different. And, and it's a, certainly a business that keeps you on your toes. I mean, you, oh, you, for sure. you can't get yeah. complacent in this business because if you do, you're not going <laughs> to do business. But but I agree That's with true. you wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, I think one of the things I enjoy about it is just getting the opportunity to work with people, helping them either find their ideal home or helping them sell their home and move on to their next home. It, it, there's such a sense of accomplishment because one of the biggest misnomers of our industry is that that somebody wants to buy a house. They, they look at five houses and within those five houses, they pick one of those five and, and they buy it and and the paperwork is signed, and <laughs> voila, they're in there, yeah. they're living, and, and they, and they uh-huh. take the picture in front of the house, and everything's great, and they go on with the rest of their lives. I know. But yeah, no, yeah. no. I tell my clients, I don't sleep, so you can. So I'm up all <laughs> night worrying and thinking and anticipating and, you know, thinking about, like, what's the best angle here? And um, hopefully my clients never feel like they're you know, not well taken care of, but I, I just really want to be able to take that pressure off of them because there are so many aspects to this business and each transaction that create, um, so many different senses of emotion too, you know? So it's kind of like you become so much more to your clients than just being a realtor who opens doors for them. You become a liaison and an advisor and a, sometimes a therapist, Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, but it's enjoyable. And I feel like as long as you know what you're doing um, and as long as kind of you're asking all the right questions, um, I think your clients always feel happy and, and safe when you're kind of like letting them know in the moment. You might not know something, but you're going to figure it out. That's why I think it's so important to go with someone you can trust, someone you totally. know, yeah. because you, you know this better than I do. There's so many instances where, you know, a buyer or a seller will will pick an agent from a company just to pick an agent and and they end up not having the best experience so i think going with someone that you can trust that you know that you can lean on is so important and talking a little bit about milestone realty when i first met you of course you were at keller williams you then made the decision to go to milestone realty why milestone realty why was it a good fit for you um, I just kind of connected with the individuals. Um, I should say the broker who was starting it. Um, when we, we kind of did a deal together uh, while I was at Keller Williams. She kind of introduced the idea that she was going to open up a brokerage. And at that time, I just felt like um, maybe there was something more for me. Um, Keller Williams was great. I had fantastic training. I had a mentor who to this day, she's still, you know, one of my rocks in the industry. Um, but we just kind of hit a point. I personally hit a point in my career where I was like, kind of on an island um and then when when you know my broker deb kind of presented to me she was going to open up a brokerage and it was going to be more of a boutique style offering more um personalized marketing and it was just going to be kind of a different experience for um 
for the um, clients, I just, in my mind, I was like, this is a great opportunity to kind of like experience a diff- real estate from a different angle, if that makes sense. No, it makes a ton of sense. And, and yeah. look, I've been there. I mean, I've leaned on you for advice a bunch of times. Yeah, that's what um, we do. And, and, right. And, and I think it's a, a lot of it for agents is finding a place you're comfortable with. Find yeah. a place where you can you can carve a niche and and build your business. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of young agents or people that just get into the business think that the first place that recruits them, the first place that they sign on with, is going to be the place they're going to spend the rest of their oh, career. Yes, that's yeah. hardly ever the case. No, and actually, John, so you bring up a good point because that was the other like misconception I had. So I I got into this business after kind of going through my own purchase, recognizing that. After seeing so many house, houses on my own as a buyer, I just thought realtors could do a much better job, right? Mm-hmm. So I got into this business thinking I'm just going to be a better realtor, period. I didn't understand the relationship aspect, the, you know, the broker needs you more than you need them mentality. I kind of treated it as if I was still in corporate America, which is kind of where I ended up coming from. So it took me probably a good year in the business to identify, like, wait a minute. This is my business, not Keller Williams' business. Mm -hmm. This is my, like, I have the ability and the authority and the insight to operate the way I want to. And I think that was a little bit of, like, professional maturity when it comes to real, like, in the real estate business. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started to be able to make, like, choices that were smarter and better for myself. Um, and for the business that I wanted to have. So um, when, you know, when these realtors come in and they think they're kind of like locked into one brokerage, what I say is if you're in a home with a brokerage and you're happy and you're thriving and you're respected and you're getting supported, then by all means, hang out there, stay there and enjoy your happiness. But if you're not, I don't think anybody should ever feel like their hands are tied and that they should definitely start talking to other agencies just to see whatever other people offer. Yeah, because it, it look, your broker has to be your broker in your office has to be a place that's more than a place where you can hang your license. You obviously have to get something from that office. And one of the things exactly. about, one of the things I think that makes Keller Williams a great company is their training. And I think that a lot of people that have been in that company have taken advantage of that training. They've taken advantage mm-hmm. of that environment. But to oh, your sure. point, it may not always work for them in terms of building their own personal business. So you right. have to find an office and a broker that can allow you to do that or at least allow your business to grow more than where you currently are. And I think that's so important, Cynthia, because like I said, a lot of agents think the first office that recruits them, the first office they sign with, that's it. That's going to be my forever home in this business. And it's usually not. It probably will take you a couple of offices to figure out, hey, True. You know what? this is the right place for me yeah. to, to grow my business. Now, speaking of business, what are your thoughts yeah. on the market right now? Do you see this momentum we have acquired in the last two months lasting beyond the summer and into the fall? <laughs> I mean, I hope so. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time to be a realtor, that's for sure. As long as you're doing a good job and you're able to maintain and uh, manage your business. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough to say, right? So I kind of feel like what we're experiencing right now is the delayed spring market, you know, because of obviously all the restrictions that were in place. A lot of people, I mean, the market was still moving, but it wasn't as... Um, I'm going to say powerful as it's becoming right now as they're starting to lift restrictions. Mm-hmm. Open houses are having like 
30, 40, 50 plus people at one open house. People are getting offers that are like, you know, we've got 10 offers on the table, 15 offers on the table. It's just, I mean, an imbalance for sure between buyers and, and sellers. And I'm hoping <laughs> sellers will catch on to this, by the way, because it's a great time to sell. <laughs> right. And by the way, to, to that point, we're still running into inventory issues. We have plenty of Absolutely. buyers, but we don't have yeah. as many properties as we need right now. Yeah. And, and what's unfortunate, too, is, you know, a seller will have, you know, 10 or 15 offers. But there's still an appraisal that needs to happen from the bank. So as much as they're going to get the most for their, you know, for their home, when buyers are coming in twenty, thirty thousand dollars over asking price, the sellers are starting to get smart to say, well, the bank will never appraise my house at this at this purchase price, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you have to be a little bit more creative in. It's not just about the highest price. It's like. Do we waive an inspection? Do we, you know, come in with more cash? Do we close in 30 days? Do we write them a letter? Do we send them a video? Mm -hmm. You know, people have to get a little bit more creative because the market's so competitive right now. Yeah, it really is. And again, mm -hmm. you made a great point too about the fact that people are coming 20 and 30,000. They're coming in with their offers that are over asking and they're 20 to 30,000 over. And it's, it's crazy. It's hard to believe that you would be willing to go that high. But then you also make a good point from a seller's standpoint that it may not appraise. So you may yeah. not necessarily be in a position to take that offer, even though you want to. Exactly. So then what I tell my sellers is I say, listen, before you make a decision, take a step back. What are your objectives? What were your goals when we entered this whole selling process? You know, and think about what offer here is going to match most comfortably, practically, and financially, realistically, as your goals will, now, as your goals are. What is one point you would stress with sellers and buyers, respectively, as the end as they enter the market in this tumultuous year that is 2020? Uh, for buyers, um, be patient and don't get discouraged, because it is likely that you're going to miss out on a few opportunities before you actually get your big win. Mm -hmm. um, and for sellers, uh, if you're looking to sell, I mean, I think you should be contacting realtors now and at least knowing what your house would sell for. Because even if it was kind of furthest thing from your mind, if all of a sudden you know that you can make a hundred grand more in your house than you ever thought, I mean, would you not? It right. might be something you want to consider. So um, so I, I think people right now should just use this opportunity to educate themselves um, on for sellers, what are they sitting on? Like, what is their potential um, profit on their home? And then, of course, for buyers, it's interest rates are so low right now. So your budget is massive. So um, don't go in feeling shy or inferior. Like you are, a, if you're a powerful buyer, go in and let your offer show it. Yeah, dithering is for the faint of heart in this market right now. Because here's the thing. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking about buying, buy. You mentioned interest rates. They're low right oh. now. Take Gosh, advantage yeah. of them. They may not be where they are right now a year from now, especially once we get past the election. And they may go up after the new year. As far as sellers are concerned, you make a great point. Why wait six months to sell? Why wait to, yeah. to sell after the new year? If you mm -hmm. think you can sell now and move on to another home yourself, then go for it. Because like we talked about earlier, this is going to be an extended spring season now because of COVID. We're going to go into the summer and possibly even into September and October. 
You know, and John, another thing is people aren't vacationing the way they normally do during the summer. So people are home. They're working from home. I know that it seems like you don't have time, but now that kids are no longer in school, you know, people are going to start hopping on like the the third party sites like Zillow and Realtor. And they're going to start taking advantage of of time that they have now and kind of playing around with like the fun things in life, like the real estate market. Right. We are going to get into Zillow, Truly, and Realtor in a sec, but... I did want to ask you, talk a little bit about the Rhode Island market right now. Which communities are desirable? Could folks in Massachusetts get some good deals if they're willing to go over the border? Oh, for sure. That's actually, um, I would say, especially first-time homebuyers, um, a lot of the bordering communities, like East Providence, for instance, um, I may be biased because that's where I'm from. You are. You're being biased right now. Absolutely. (laughs) It's all about you, Commander. You're being biased. But no, um, I mean, what's happening there is there's a big economic development boom. I mean, they got a new uh, mayor in there for the first time and I think forever, possibly. Um, so you're seeing a lot of new businesses, a lot of new restaurants popping up there. Um, and they're all they're, they're not the big commercialized ones either. There are a lot of just kind of like locals who are opening and opening up mom and pop. Their own mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what everybody likes right now. Right. So. But there's tons of waterfront in East Providence and it goes through Rumford, East Providence, through Riverside. And it's been untapped for a long time. And I think you're going to see over the next few years, um, they're going to start putting a little bit more money. And there's Kettle Point. That's a big condominium association Mm -hmm. that started kind of the boom. Um, And I think you're going to see it trickle down um, and people taking taking advantage of kind of like the, I guess, the up and coming waterfront properties. It might take a little while. I know I had one person say, oh, 20 years ago, they said they were going to do it. But what I'm visually seeing right now and experiencing is these Providence is going to make a big comeback. Well, and of course, you look at some of the other communities that are over the border that are thriving right now in terms of property values in that sellers can make good money selling, but buyers can also get some pretty good deals. You've got Lincoln, you've got Smithfield, you've got Cumberland. Yes. Those are all big, communities that have hot markets. markets right now. Yeah. Yes, hot markets. They do not last. The moment you list it, it goes. Yeah. Um, again, it goes back to supply and demand, you know? And so, especially in those communities that tend to just have a strong draw for people. And I think to your point, they're close to the Massachusetts border for those who are working in mass or commuting to mass. um, It makes a nice convenient and easy, like quality of life uh, balance for them where it might be a little bit more affordable to live in Rhode Island, but they can still make the money that you can make over the Massachusetts border. Earlier, you mentioned Zillow, Trulia, and uh, Realtor. How have those companies changed the game in real estate, in your opinion? All right. So, John, I have a love-hate oh, this sounds This sounds scary. I, you you yeah. sound like you're rolling your sleeves up and you're about to get down and I'm about to, yeah. Really I mean, in all fairness, I'm not going to hate on them because I think that it's a necessary evil in our business. So um, from the industry standpoint, we get a little bit like, wait a minute, that's all our information and our work. And those websites are stealing it from us. But the flip side of that is they're taking the time and resource and investment and and, and aggregating all of the content to make it user friendly for the buyers to come to us. So it's kind of like that double edged sword. Right. So what what do I think they're doing to the industry? I think that they are making buyers. I think we're seeing a lot of education through those third-party sites. I think buyers are becoming smarter. They're becoming a little bit more invested. Um, I think that with the market, the turnover that's happening so fast, I think that these, um, and every realtor is going to hate me for saying this, but I think a lot of the estimates 
are a little bit more on point than maybe they had been in the past. Maybe not for every listing, but with a high turnover and the quick, um, the, the quick sale of listings, I just think that the algorithms are getting more sophisticated and mm -hmm. becoming a little bit more beneficial to buyers. But I will say there is nothing better than the human element of having a realtor. And I know. Um, and I think your dog I, agrees with you. I know. I'm really sorry. No, I've got three of them. I can't, I, can't keep them in, I can't keep them in check. You know, they just exist. Listen, two weeks so, ago, my daughter made a special guest appearance on this thing. So you're fine. Oh, so, but yeah. And I try to keep them quiet, but you know, do what I those shot callers don't work <laughs> like they used to. No. And she really just wants to come inside. <laughs> she wants, she wants to, she wants to add her two cents. Yeah, really. She's like, hey, how come this real estate business is taking my mom away? <laughs> She's really asking. But no. Um, so how do I feel about it? I really just feel that um, buyers should definitely window shop on the third party mm -hmm. sites. I mean, it's a great place to get information and become educated on like appropriate pricing for certain markets. But when it comes to pulling the trigger, the information on, on those third party sites, it's not always 100% accurate. There might be a delay of up to even a week for when like something goes from active to under agreement and it disappoints a lot of buyers. So if you are, are, are window shopping, definitely keep your eye on Zillow. But the moment it comes down to you want to start making appointments and seeing houses, start interviewing realtors. I'm going to ask you this dreaded question, and I think it's 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 a question that's talked about often in our industry but mm -hmm. do you foresee sites like this or, or or third party real realty companies do you eventually see us getting to a point where maybe buyer agents will be obsolete because of companies like this oh gosh um because you mentioned I, the human element which i agree with you i, I think was, is i'm gonna go too back important. to that because so here's the deal. So buying a house, it's, you know, there's like a, a mental aspect or a logical aspect of it. Right. And then you have the emotional aspect of it. And then you have the financial aspect of it. So I feel like Zillow can feed kind of that mental and logical aspect of it. But I don't think Zillow or Realtor.com can really satisfy or even help to kind of nurture that emotional aspect of it because when you're spending you know for some people half a million dollars on a home it's not just about the checks and balances it there's a lot of angst and anxiety and and specific questions to their financial footprint or their exact scenario that they're really looking for guidance and experience to help them make the right decisions and i think that's why realtors will never become obsolete yeah, I agree. And again, I think the human element. Look, you can go yeah. on Zillow and Trulia and Realtor and find a place you like, but your life will be a lot easier if you have someone working with you, advising you, guiding you through this process. Quite frankly, oh, sure. right, because like anything else, you don't have the time in the day to represent yourself and go through the process yourself. And more often than not, particularly with first time home buyers, mm -hmm. they really need the guidance and the help. And rightfully so. I mean, look, if, if you asked us to go into a field where we had nothing, no, no background on, had no understanding of it, we might be a little lost, too. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just think the human element is so important here. Yeah. That I, I, I don't think that agents on either side really will be devalued enough to where 
we won't be a necessity in the industry. I agree. And so when you look at FISBOs, right? So first, uh, for sale by owners. I was just thinking that, by the way. So many times they just convert to having realtor. Why? Because what we do is our job. This isn't mm -hmm. a hobby. This isn't something we do for fun. Can Unfortunately, fun? Yes. some people think it is, though. That's I know. I know. But no, I mean, when the phone's ringing, we're there to answer it. You know, when the when people need to be let in, yes, we let them in the house. When decisions need to be made, we're thinking it through 360 degrees like four times over. And it's a lot of Try doing that math, by the way. I mean, I'll let you do that. <laughs> I'm a history guy. I'm out. I'm tapping out on that one. <laughs> Thank goodness for calculators. Yes, yeah, seriously. But I guess all I'm saying is like, I think when people are like, oh, I'm going to sell by myself and save some money, then they start to realize like, wait a minute, like I have to negotiate my own house. Like, it's almost like you just, you have to just leave it to the professionals. And I say to people like, hey, you can change the oil in your car, but what do you do when it needs to be changed? You go to a local shop and you have them do it for you. Why? Because they have the time, the tools, the resources, the know-how, and they just get it done quickly and they get it done affordably and then you move on with your day. So that as a realtor, we kind of do that with, with selling houses. Like we know what we're doing. Let us help you. Speaking of realtors, in your opinion, what are yeah. three key ingredients to being a successful realtor? Hmm. Hey, I took the questions ahead of time, so you have no excuse, young lady. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to skip this one. No, 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 no. Okay. So as I say to everybody, so I actually mentor in my office, right? Mm -hmm. I mentor some of our newer agents and I always share with them what works for me. And then I, and then I always say to them, but listen, you have to find your own groove. So everybody has a different style. My personal style that has helped me be successful is to be very patient. I invest a lot of time listening and talking to my clients, helping them cope um, through a lot of like the, the, the mental and emotional struggles they might have about a decision they're about to make. Um, I feel like being honest, so delivering information to people that might not be popular, but that it's, hey, listen, you don't wanna hear this, but this is what you need to know. I think honesty goes a long way with people. Um, and I think responsiveness, I think what happens is sometimes realtors get too big. They become too, uh, maybe I'll say successful. Um, I'll use that word loosely, but they become, you know, too quote busy to um, pay attention to like that customer service aspect. So I think being responsive and engaged is another quality that you need to have. It's so a, those it's are a the things that work for me. Right. Like yeah. if you have five clients going at one time, You've got to figure out a way to divvy up your attention and your time to five different clients. You can't shortchange the clients, the first two clients you were working with to focus on the last three that you picked up. You've got to be able to balance all of these clients, be patient, give them your time and show yep. them that, hey, regardless of how busy I am right now, you're still a priority to me. That's a really great point. So, yeah. So letting everybody know that... Even, even if you have a million things going on, your client shouldn't know that. They should no. just know, like, okay, yeah. what are your questions? Let me help you, you know? So it, I'm not always successful there, by the way. I definitely recognize times that I myself- You, you, you put on a good front though, I will say. And I, you do uh, put on a good front. <laughs> I just try. And I think even when I, when I do feel like maybe I'm not living up to my own expectations, I think just addressing it with the client and apologizing, say, listen, like, hey, we haven't talked in a little bit. Let's get the ball rolling. Let's like- lock arms and start moving forward again. So I think that's so important too, because this is a business of, of 
ego in many ways, right? Like uh, it, yeah. it's a business of ego. And I think that people appreciate when you're honest about yourself and what you could do for them. But at times you have to be willing to, to swallow that bitter pill and admit that, hey, you know what? You have to look in the mirror and say, I could have done a little bit more. I need to do a little bit more. You need to reassess. And I think sometimes yeah. some realtors, especially, and, and, they, and I'm not knocking realtors that have been in the business for a long time. I'm just simply saying it, they're so good at it that sometimes they lose sight of that. And I think that it's good to self-reflect sometimes. Yeah. You know what we teach our kids when they're hungry, they'll go after it and get it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the same thing in the business. Like when you're, when your heart is in the right place and when you feel like, you know, like passionate towards something, you kind of make the extra effort to, to make sure that you cater to that. So, so t- tell our uh, <laughs> listeners how they can get in touch with you, Cynthia. Oh, um, you can, well, anybody can call me anytime. So my phone number is 401-633-2898. Um, you can always find me on Facebook at Cynthia Cabana Realtor. Um, and of course you can email me and it's Cynthia at milestone realty, inc.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this was a great conversation. Thanks, John. Uh, it was certainly informative. <laughs> I learned a lot just talking to you and I'm sure our, our listeners will as well. Uh, I, I want to, so. I want to thank you for taking some time out of a busy week to, uh, to chat with us, Cynthia. Let's do this again mm-hmm. soon. You got it. All right, Cynthia. All thank right, you thank very you much. Nice Take time. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I would once again like to thank Cynthia Cabana for joining us this week. And as always, if you have any questions regarding the real estate market, whether you're buying or selling, feel free to email me at realtor at gmail.com. And as always, of course, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next week, take care.